0: As you uh, are probably well aware by this point, um, we're in a series called At The Movies. And uh, in this series, essentially what we're doing is we're kind of following Jesus' lead. Jesus used stories or parables uh, to teach truths about uh, himself, about God, about this life. Uh, And so we're looking at modern day stories in film. And so, uh, guys, like the week that you've been waiting for is finally here. Right, we pushed through the dark night last week, and the notebook week is here. So I know you're pumped. I know that's why you're here. Yes, this is for you. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, we're going to be talking about relationships. We're going to be talking about marriage. And just so you know, uh, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be intrusive. Uh, so just to forewarn you, um, that's what's going on. And just so you know, um, just to give credit where credit's due, um, as a pastor, uh, for me, like I'm I'm constantly reading and studying and pulling sources and and drawing from guys that are much sharper than I am, much more insightful than I am. And, and every now and then, I come across uh, something where I just, it just—God slaps me upside the head and, and challenges me and does something in my heart, and I, I think, you know what? There's, there's some of this that has to be shared uh, with the Mosaic family. I've just got it. And so just so you know, like this morning, um, some of what I'm going to be talking, uh, a good amount of it, I'm, I'm going to be drawing pretty heavily from a guy named Perry Noble Um, who's a pastor uh, down in South Carolina, and and this is just something, kind of an overflow of what God's been doing in in my heart, my life, especially as a husband and as as a man. So just want to give credit where credit's due. Um, That being said, we are going to watch uh, some scenes from The Notebook and allow that to kind of build up to this conversation uh, and introduce this conversation about love and romance. So, if you have not gotten popcorn, uh, get some popcorn, get some coffee, get comfortable, uh, and gentlemen, especially, The Notebook. You like that editing job? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the interesting thing about The Notebook is is there's very people that I come in contact with that are kind of just on the middle of the road on it, and they're like, yeah, you know, it was an okay movie. It seems to be like one of those movies that people either love or they hate. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it usually has something to do with gender a little bit, <laughs> right? Um... And, and I, think, I think there's some good reasons that women connect to the film like that, and I'm going to hit on that in a moment. But for us guys, like, I'll just say for me, like, I, I'm not a big chick flick type guy. And this movie has, it is long, by the way. I watched it this week, and slow. And I don't know if you know this, but there's no explosions and no gunfire, which is very disappointing. Uh, but the thing, the thing that's the hardest for me when it comes to this movie, and I think probably for a lot of guys, especially guys who are like black and white, and that doesn't make sense, and that's not realistic, uh, is the way the movie ends. Um, if you have not seen the way that this movie ends, I'm going to spoil it for you. Um, at the end of the movie, uh, they're both old, and they're just kind of sick of living, and so they, they decide that they're going to go to sleep and never wake up. And, and she, <laughs> she says, Do you think our love is powerful enough to take us away together? he's like, I think our love can do anything, right? And they lay down, <laughs> and they hold hands, and they never wake up, and then it pans out to this flying V of birds into the sunset. And you're just like, oh, my goodness, as a guy, you know, it's like, just make me puke. Like, and, and I, hate to, I don't want to spoil the end of your life for you, but just so you know, that's not the way you're going out, right? That's just not in the cards. It's probably not going to end that way for you and for me, Right? But but the realistic part, I think one of the reasons that uh, one of the things that this film really does illustrate really well is is the tension and the conflict and the fight uh, that is really always present in relationships and especially especially in marriage, right? So like, just out of curiosity, uh, how many people here are married? Okay, good amount, good amount. Of, so I'm gonna ask, be really honest. Um, how many people of those of you who are married have been in an argument with your spouse in the last month? All right, most of us, most. my hand is up, okay. I'm um, going to get more honest. Okay, how many people have had an argument with your spouse in the last week? Yes, okay, still a good amount of us. My hand is still up. Um, okay, <laughs> how many had a fight on the way to church, all right, this morning? No, you don't have to answer that, all right? <laughs> right I, and and how, how many of those fights, by the way, were over stupid things? All right, isn't it? Yeah, it is oftentimes over the dumbest things. I don't know what it is about marriage, like, Megan and I, and I shared this a long time ago, right, our, one of our biggest fights to date in our marriage was on our honeymoon, and it was over a game of ping pong. Yeah, we were having a game of ping pong, and just, you know, enjoying romantic bliss. We documented the occasion, uh, and it looks like we're, you know, posing, but we were ticked. Yeah, look at those kids, like 10 years ago. But we were, we didn't talk to each other that whole afternoon over ping pong. And we still to this day, I couldn't tell you what about the ping pong game was just so bad that we needed to not talk to each other for half a day of our honeymoon. But, but that's what happened. And, and here's the thing. Here, we laugh about that and we're like, we were so dumb. We were just kids. But what I'm, what I'm quickly realizing is it doesn't get easier. You can take that picture down, please. Please take it down. <laughs> Thank you. What I'm realizing is that, that as we get older, it just does not get easier. Right, I, I, I did, I've never talked to a married couple who says, you know what, the fighting just finally went away. The <laughs> conflict, the disagreement, ill feelings, the, you know, it just kind of disappeared over time. Nothing but harmony in our household. Right? It, just, it doesn't happen. Like It's just an ongoing fight. Like Friday night, of course, I'm getting ready to teach on marriage. Of course, we're going to have a big fight. Right? It was not over sex. It was not over money. It was not over politics. It was not over some deep spiritual issue. We were building a fort in our basement for our two girls. So we're going to build this fort, and our goal is to make it as big of a fort as possible. And in the process, we had a disagreement over how this fort should be built. And we went after it. We got mad and just, like, stopped talking and just went about our building it our own way. And and, and (laughs) it's just like, oh, my gosh. We just had a big fight over a fort. Yep. Yes, we did. Right? And what I'm realizing is that the conflict and, and like the fight just never goes away. Like it is just a constant fight. And it's not, one of the, it's not like a boxing match where it's 10 rounds and you get a breather every few minutes and then it's over. Right? It's like day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, God willing, until death do us part. So the question right, that I think that every single one of us has to resolve to do, and this is, this is hard because it's not just a one-time decision. It's like a daily decision. Is we have to decide whether we're just going to fight in our marriage, right, or whether we're going to fight for our marriage, right? Whether we're going to fight in our marriage or whether we're going to fight for our marriage. And the truth is, like, nobody ever sets out, right, to choose one or the other because I believe every single one of us longs to end up with somebody that we absolutely love, like we want to have a great marriage. We want to love and be loved, guys. I'm going to help you out. There's a reason that girls love movies like this, all right, There's a reason they obsess over movies like, like The Notebook and novels like uh, the Twilight series and Hunger Games. And, and right, and it's not the great acting. I know you thought it was. It's not the great acting, <laughs> right? There is a common denominator here between all those films. Uh, I mean, going back to Legends of the Fall, uh, you know, Bridget uh, Jones' Diary, uh, Gone with the Wind. I realized this this week. Stay, there is a love triangle in every one of those, which means, girls, you are sick. There are two guys and one girl. And girls just go nuts over this story. Right? And, and, and here's why. And here's why. Right? It's because, listen, every, and I think all you girls would agree, like, in the heart of a woman, every woman longs to be found desirable and have a man who's willing to pursue her and fight for her. Right? Every woman wants that. And the truth is, I think every guy, we wouldn't articulate it that way, but every guy wants a woman who's at his side, who supports him, who respects him, who loves him, who's in it for the long haul. We all want that. Nobody sets out to shipwreck their marriage and say, you know, I just hope this is really good for a few years, and then if it could just melt down and dissolve after 15 years, that would be a perfect plan. Right? No, nobody wants that. But the truth is, it's just, it's just easy to fight in your marriage and to miss fighting for your marriage. Because if you want to fight in your marriage, all you have to do is one thing. All you have to do is focus on the imperfections of your spouse. Right? That's it. Just focus on all the ways that they fall short. And if you're married, you know that is easy. Right? If I pulled you up here, if you're married, and I said, okay, list off for me ten things how, where your spouse falls short. Right? Some of you would be like, oh, i got to narrow it to ten? <laughs> right? Megan would be just warming up <laughs> at ten. Right? right? We, I mean, if you want to fight in your marriage, just focus on all those ways that they fall short. Right, just to start to see them as the enemy and blame them for your unhappiness. Right? It's just that easy. But here's the thing. Fighting for your marriage, you have to actually stop looking at them and look at yourself and start focusing on the ways that you fall short. And here's, here's what I want to submit to you. And the only, I'm not an expert on relationships, but the only thing that I can submit to you is biblically what the Bible has to say. And I would submit to you that it's this, that you, that you and I can only have the marriage that we long for Right, when we focus on our responsibilities rather than our rights. Right, we can only have the marriage that we long for, and honestly, that God longs for us to have, when we focus on our responsibilities rather than our rights. And that is awfully hard. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to just practically, tangibly look at some practical ways that, that we're called to do this. And I want to look at a passage in Philippians chapter 2. Um, if you have your Bible, your smartphone, uh, we're going to throw them up there as well. Um, But we're going to look in philippians uh, chapter 2 And and what I want to do is just unpack a few things really practically that god calls us to And and here's my underlying assumption by the way That we need god's help That we need god's help and you don't have to be a christian or be married for very long To start to get the feeling like this is going to take some divine intervention if it's going to end well Right because marriage is hard And fighting is inevitable But but I think that we all Need God's help. And here's why. Because every single one of us in this room, I think I can say this, who have, who have entered into marriage, and every single in here who hopes to one day be married, we bring unrealistic expectations into our marriage. Unrealistic expectations. And by the way, Christian guys can be the worst at this the worst. Ladies, guys, hear me. We can be the worst. I used to do youth ministry and work with high school kids, and then later on worked with with college students, oftentimes with guys. When you're working with guys, one of the big issues when following Jesus and seeking to be holy, as God calls us to be, is purity, right? It's purity. And almost every time that I would be in these conversations with these guys, inevitably somebody would say something to the effect of, well, Aaron, it's easy for you to talk about purity because you're married and you can have sex whenever you want. Married guys, is that how that works? No, it does not. That is not the way that it works at all. Right? And you talk to guys, and engaged guys, and you're like, man, you're getting married, dude, in like six months. Are you pumped or what? You know, and the, you ask the wife, and she's just, she's obsessing over the ceremony, and she just can't wait, and she's like planning how to set up the apartment or the house, and she's just pumped about all this, you know, I just love him and all these things. And he asked the guy, it's like, dude, what are you most excited about? Honeymoon? <laughs> right? So for the honeymoon, I'm going to have sex. You know, it's like, really? Like, that's what you're mo- most excited about? You do know you're going to have to have something else to do for the other 23 hours, 59 minutes, and 45 seconds, right? Like, <laughs> most of your marriage, that's not what's going on. Most of your honeymoon, that's not even what's going on, right? And, and guys, right, we, we go into marriage... And we just think it's going to be like this 24-7 porn flick in our house. And part of it is because of movies like this, right? Hollywood movies. And we watch, like, the guy just walks in the front door, and he's been out sweating, working in the fields all day. And he takes his shirt off, and she spots him from the kitchen, and they lock eyes. And you hear that bounce, you go, wah, wah, you know? And he goes, and he just rakes the dishes off the table, you know? And this, they just, you know? And that's, by the, you know what, dude, bro, try that with your wife. Just do it. Just do it. Just go over it, rake those dishes off, shatter them on the floor, and see what she does, right? She's going to be like, you have lost your mind. Are you, you replacing those dishes? Those are my favorite dishes. Are you going to clean this up right now? What did you think was going to happen? Right? Unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. Women, women have their own set of unrealistic expectations, right? And, and, and for most ladies... I would say oftentimes what ladies think when they're going into marriage is they think that that guy, that their husband or future husband is going to be their savior, right? And they think that this guy, I just got to find this guy and he's going to love me and he's going to make me feel beautiful and he's going to make me feel valuable, right? He's going to look at me and say, you complete me, just like Jerry Maguire. And I'm going to say, you complete me, right? And and we're just going to fall in love and that's when things are just going to be great, Right? Uh, and if that was you, how's that working out? He disappointed you, didn't he? Right? Because, and honestly, I feel, I feel really bad for guys that, that enter into these marriages because, man, he is, he is just set up for failure because he's going to fail at that every single time. It doesn't matter how big of a stud he is. It doesn't matter if he's Ryan Gosling or Christian Bale or Johnny Depp right? or whoever you think the perfect man is, George Clooney. He's a stud. But it doesn't matter how big of a study is. Like, he can never be your savior. And if you have—if you don't love yourself going into marriage, like, your husband is not going to fix that. Or if you have issues that you have gone undealt with, like, mar- marriage does not make those go away. Marriage is like a magnifying glass, right? Because now you've got two jacked-up people, and you put them under the same roof, and you're like, okay, live together forever, make this work. Right? And all of a sudden, these things that you've kind of managed to stay hidden, all of a sudden, they're there. And they're affecting them, and they're affecting you. And those issues don't go away with marriage. And so we need, we need God's help because we have unrealistic expectations, right? We, we need to let Jesus be our Savior, the Savior that our spouse can never be, and free us from the expectations that honestly are just going to crush our spouse in time. We need... God's help. And so here's what I want to say is that that I think there's two main areas that we need God's help in. And the first one is we need God's help to change the way that we treat our spouse. We need God's help. Our spouse, our future spouse, we need God's help. Paul says this, Philippians 2, verse 1. He says, if any, uh, if you have any encouragement, from being united with Christ. and this, So this idea of being united with Christ. We need God's help. We need to be walking with Jesus. We need Jesus' help in our marriage. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. All right, now, before we move on, all right, what Paul is doing is he is laying out for us a vision of what Christ-centered relationships are meant to look like. All right, what, he, what he does is he actually lists off for us Four specific things, four, four specific ways that, that if we can focus on these and assess our marriage, right, where we're at, right, that would be very, very helpful. And so here's, here's, honestly, here's what I would challenge you for those of you who are married. Uh, I would challenge you as we go through these next four things, um, I would challenge you as he lists these off, right, to carve out some space. Right, this afternoon when you go home, um, tonight, date night, tomorrow— and really, together, give your spouse permission to speak into these things in your relationship and assess: like, is this present? Right? Is this present in our in our relationship in our marriage? Do I bring this into marriage? The first one, first one is encouragement. Encouragement: Is there encouragement in your marriage? Right? men, do you encourage your wife on a consistent basis? Right. In other words, do you speak well of her when she's not around? Right, and do you speak well to her when she is? Right, and I hear guys oftentimes, and it's just like a cultural thing that's just normal now, but I hear guys just rail on their wives kind of passive-aggressively when they're not around. Right, and you make comments like, well, I've got to go home to the old ball and chain, you know. Guys, I'd love to hang out, but you know, duty calls, you know. And just like dishonoring their, their wives when they're not around. And, and sometimes they'll, they'll make like, just snide little comments you know, for a cheap laugh at the guys. You know, or, or or guys, when she is around, right? How do you speak to her? Because your words have more power than you realize. Right? This week, I, ha- I had a conversation with a couple who's been married for almost 30 years, raised a family together, been through career changes, the good, the bad, the ugly. 30 years of marriage, and they're trying to assess whether it's worth sticking with, and whether they need to call it quits. 30 years of marriage, and you know what the main issue is? The main issue is hurtful words. A lack of encouragement, right? Beating each other down with their words, and it's just over years just taking its toll, just the abuse of just not encouraging one another. Right, guys, do you do you encourage your wife? And for those of you who aren't married, right? How do you speak of women? All right, because now's the time to start doing this. All right, women, right? Do you encourage your husbands, right? Listen, I mean, when Megan speaks well of me, right, when she pulls me aside after a Sunday morning and she's like, you killed it this morning, that was so good. Honestly, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, right? I can get emails and people complain or whatever else, and I don't care. Because Megan said it was awesome, so you know what? You know, it's like, <laughs> my wife said it was awesome, which means it was, you know? Like, I, I, I talked a couple of weeks ago about you know, how Saturdays are often like a rough day for me because I'm getting ready for Sunday, and I often hate the message until I, get, I give it, you know, just not okay with it. And, and, and every Saturday, I ask Megan and, and both of our girls now, and Paige will come, and I ask them to pray over me. And I'll stick around and I'll kind of wait, you know, for Megan to give me <laughs> some encouragement. You know, and, and every now and then she'll, she'll say something effective, you know, she'll say, I've never heard you not deliver on a message. This is what you were born to do. You got this. Right? When she says that, like, somebody just give me a Bible. Like I'm ready to preach right now. Give me a microphone. Uh, because she just has, like, these, the, her words have power in my life like nobody else's words do. Right? She wrote me a letter, I think it was for my birthday, and she said some things in that letter that I, like, I can't tell you like, just how valuable those words have been. And honestly, almost every week, I'm revisiting them and drawing strength from them. And so, women, you have more power in your husband's wife, uh, life than, than he's letting on. And either you're building him up or you're cutting him down. And I'm telling you, you show me a guy whose wife believes in him, and I'll show you a man who thinks he can do anything. Right? Are you building him up? Are you encouraging him? Right? Oh, well, you know what? I'll, I'll encourage him when he does something worthwhile. Right? No, 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 no. Right? That's focusing on your rights rather than your responsibility. Husbands, wives, we are called to encourage our spouse. All right, number two, comfort. Is there comfort in your marriage? All right, guys, when you walk through the door, when you get home, what does your wife feel? All right, does she feel comfort or does she feel conflict? Are you an emotionally safe place for her? to talk about anything and everything that she needs to talk about. Right, when she does make herself vulnerable and open up to you, looking for comfort, do you see that as an inconvenience? Trying to watch the game, ESPN is on, or whatever? Or do you see that as an opportunity? Right, guys, do you bring comfort into your marriage? Ladies, do you bring comfort in your marriage? Or are you that woman You know that woman who just like flies off the handle like consistently like when she doesn't get her way she just uses emotion like manipulatively and just starts throwing things and cussing and it's like you can't even have a conversation as soon as she doesn't get her way she just starts going off the handle. You know what the Bible says about women like that? It says it's better to live in the desert than to live in a house with a quarrelsome wife. The desert where things go to die. Right? No water, no life. It is better to be there Right, it says it's better to live on the corner of the roof, <laughs> to, to live in that house right, with a quarrelsome wife. Listen, guys, gals, right, our job is to consistently bring comfort into our marriages. Right? And that, that starts with who we are, right? not who they are. Right? That, that, that starts with us owning our responsibility. Right? Not, not our right, not our right to be angry, not our right to be disappointed, Right Not our right to be emotionally distant,, right, but to fight for the affections of our spouse to bring comfort, right number three, fellowship, fellowship, okay, are you consistently seeking to find ways to spend more time together or are you less time together All right now, and this is one of those things that singles oftentimes bring into marriage, and, and it 's like this belief, this idea. That, you know what, when I get married, I can pretty much do all the things I did before and spend my time in the same ways. I just have like this live in roommate who helps cover the rent and has sexual benefits. Right? And that's not what marriage is at all. all right? And there's people who are part of this community friends, I love you, you're single, you can do this, but you're out playing volleyball uh, or any, you know, whatever, five, six nights a week. And just so you know, when you get married, that's not going to fly. That's not how marriage works. right? And you probably already know that, but there are people. A part of this community who are still living like they're single. All right, guys and gals who are out at the bars with other friends, away from their spouse, multiple nights a week, just trying to get away. All right, guys who are playing softball competitively, multiple evenings, doing tournaments, away from the wife. All right, there's people in this community who spe- like they log the equivalent of a part-time job playing video games. All right, and I know we have a lot of gamers, a fair amount in this community. All right, and, and there's nothing wrong with having a hobby. No, I get that. Do you need bro time? Yes, I get that. All right, I, I have an original NES hooked up to my TV downstairs. I, I, I love me some Contra, Super Tech Mobile. I will still play that every now and then, right? But you also got to realize like, you're not a single college student anymore, right? When you're married, things change, and, and when it starts to negatively affect your marriage. Right, there's an issue, and the person who gets to decide if there's an issue is your spouse. Right? And, and, and I will say this. Okay, part, of the, part of the problem, I think, is that oftentimes gals, like, we're not honest. You need to be honest with guys. All right? Which means that when you're dating, don't pretend like you like to sit there and watch them play Halo. You don't like that, but he thinks you do because you pretend like you do. Right, don't do that. Right, don't tell them that you love the outdoors when what you're referring to is going to South Point Shopping Mall. <laughs> right, be honest. right? Be honest. If there's an issue, you've got you to gotta let them know. Right? If there's an issue, you've got to let them know, look, his, his World of Warcraft campaign needs to stop or wait because you've got a real life and a real wife at home who needs some attending to. All right? You've got to be honest with them. got to be honest with them. If Megan and honestly, again, spouses determine this. So if Megan told me today, you know what? I don't want you working out like you have been anymore because you're already really busy, and I need you to be more present at home with me and the girls. Right? Either I'm changing my eating habits, or I'm going to become a chubby bunny (laughs) in the days and months to come. Right? Because while I might have the right to work out, I have the responsibility. My responsibility is at home with my girls. All right, healthy marriage, God honoring marriage. Are you working? to spend more time together or less, right, ask yourself are we, are we drawing closer together as a couple or are we drifting further apart alright, fourth tenderness and compassion tenderness and compassion right, Aaron, what if I see an issue right, in my spouse's life and he doesn't want to talk about it, she doesn't want to talk about it but it's a correctable issue and if we would just address this and it would change it would make a huge difference in our marriage right, who talks, do you talk to him about that can I, you know, have sick you on him, right Right? No, talk to him. Talk to him, right? Be honest. And by the way, talk to him, right? Don't, don't go to the women's life group and just vomit everything that's going on in your marriage on issues that you're not willing to talk to your husband about, right? And guys, guys, not the guys at work, not the dudes at work, right? Not if you're not willing to, to be honest and upfront with your wife, right? And listen to this. The Bible says, for those of you who are familiar uh, with the Bible, right, what does it say? How does it say? What is it about Jesus, right, that, that draws us in, that leads us to repentance? Anybody? Romans two four says that it is his kindness, right. It is his kindness that draws us in, right. Second Peter uh, three nine, right, says that God is patient with us. Okay, so when there's issues, right, that's, this is our posture. Our responsibility is to draw them in with kindness, right, tenderness compassion, patience. Alright, so how do you do this? this is, and this is relatively easy. Alright, how do you come to show tenderness and compassion to your spouse? Um, you just realize that you're not perfect. Alright, you'll learn this eventually, but the sooner you can own it, you'll, you'll save yourself a lot of heartache. All right. several years ago, Megan and I, we had this resurfacing issue in our marriage, like an argument, you know, one of the serious issues. <laughs> um, the, you know, there's never any resolve. Every time it comes up, you just pick up the argument where you left off. And it was how she backed out of the driveway. I know. Serious issue. I had, <laughs> I had issues with this. Seriously. Um, she, would, she would just back out really fast, and while she's still like, flying in reverse, she'd like put it in the drive. You know, just make this horrible noise. And so I had an issue with this. I like, babe, look, we have one car. One car. You're going to drop the transmission out of this thing, you know, soon. We can't afford that, and it's just careless. It's just reckless, like... Just stop and then put it in the drive. And you know, every time she'd get defensive and angry and I wasn't being nice and and so this would just resurface over and over again. I kid you not, like just a couple weeks later, uh, we're driving together. I'm gonna go drop her off at work. And I'm being very impatient, and there's cars stacked up. We're over on like 70th and Pioneers, and I'm trying to turn left into the shopping center, and traffic is backed up, so I can't see like the other lane, but there's an opening to turn left. And so I just went for it because I was sick of waiting. Right into oncoming traffic, we, we just get this car just smashes into us, rips our front of our bumper off, and then goes, hits another nice car. And she didn't even have to say anything, you know. It was like the look just said it all, you know. Like that is just a hard lesson in humility. Humility, right. When we come to realize that we are not perfect, that we have our own issues, that as a man, I've got, a, and a husband, I've got a lot of work to do. Right, then it becomes very easy to begin to extend grace. Right, from that posture, I don't think there's any issue that you can't fix. So, how do, we, uh, how do we do this? Okay. We need God's help changing the way that we treat one another. And secondly, there's a second thing we need God to change the way that we see our spouse. We need God to change the way that we see our spouse because we're different. I don't know if you realize this. If you're single, like, you need to figure this out. Guys and girls are different, right? And the longer you go in marriage, like, the harder this becomes. Like, like guys, we like to climb trees and kill things, right? For our guys' ministry outing, we went to CJ's paintball, and we shot each other all morning, bruised one another. It was awesome, right? The girls' retreat, they catered in dinner and had a heart-to-heart for, like, two days. Shoot me now, right? That is not what we're doing for guys' ministry, Right? Guys like to conquer. They like to compete, right? Generally, these are how guys are. Girls like to take bubble baths. I have yet to meet a guy who's like, "Man, I've had a hard day. I just need to get home and take a bubble bath, and light the candles, and have some Chardonnay, and listen to Michael Bublé." Right? That's what I need. Right? <laughs> I don't know that guy. And if you're that guy, don't tell anybody. Right? <laughs> this is not the place. Guys and girls, we're different. And, like, in relationships, you often have, like, the type A personality. And then you also have, like, the free spirit. So, like, in our marriage, like, I'm the type A personality. I'm always looking at the next mountain. I got my to-do list. I'm just going. And she's like, you know, let's just just rest, chill out. You need to enjoy the ride. Do you smell those roses? We need to get away to a beach and sip pina coladas and get lost in the rain. Wouldn't that be nice? Right? We're just different. We think about different things, right? She is always wanting to have sex, and I just want to cuddle and talk about my feelings. (laughs) And... All right, I might have gotten that turned around. All right, but you get what I'm saying, right? We're fundamentally different, and when you're dating, it's cute. When you're married, it's not cute anymore, right? When you're dating, it's like, oh, he's so lost without me, right? When you're married, it's, why can't you ask for directions? You are lost, right? Things change, right? And little issues can become big issues, right? And so we got to let God change the way that we see our spouse, Got to let them change the way that we see our spouse. All right, so here, married people, here's what I want to do. I want to give you a little bit of homework, and I know like singles. I had like a, I have a whole thing here about singles, and it was going to be awesome. It was going to change your life, but I got to save it for the next series. So, um, I'm not going to talk to the singles very much this morning. But married couples, all right, I got some homework for you. And here, here's your homework. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. I, I want to challenge you every day this week, all right, to read this passage of scripture, Philippians two. Right, verses 1 through 11, and I want you to pray two things. And if you have to get up just five minutes early and do this, right, do this. I want you to challenge you to pray two things. Number one, right, Jesus, show me where I fall short as a spouse. All right, Jesus, show me where I fall short of being the spouse that I need to be. Right, you start to pray that, and you're not going to be focused on your rights. Right, God is going to start showing you and, be, and, and giving you a passion a love for your responsibilities. Right? That's where your heart's going to be. All right, number two, Jesus, teach me to see my spouse through your eyes. Teach me to see my spouse through your eyes. Because what's going to happen is, is you're just going to become consumed with your responsibilities. Right? And serving that person, it's going to be hard some days. Yeah, there's going to be fights in your marriage. But fighting for your marriage, right? God is going to start changing your heart. And you're going to find, begin to find joy in doing things that, that are work. Because you're going to start to see them the way that God sees them. And I, Now, I don't know if you'll do that. Right? But for the couples who do, and who see God with all their heart, and what He desires in their marriage, I'm telling you, it is going to change some things profoundly in you, and subsequently in your marriage. All right, ultimately, in wrapping up, here's the deal. Ultimately, where all this points the picture that we're given, right, is of Jesus Christ, right? And that first of all, yeah, he's our Savior, but second of all, he's also our example. And by the, this is why we chose this film, because this is actually something that's illustrated really well in the film, and we didn't show it because I didn't want, like, a bunch of girls crying, and I didn't want a bunch of guys vomiting, so we just cut that part out. Um, but one of the things that it illustrates is, you know, at the end of the film is they're old, they're an old couple, and she actually has Alzheimer's. And she doesn't even recognize him. And they, they've lived their lives together. They've been married. They have kind of suggest that they've just lived this great love story. They've done it well. But now she doesn't even know who he is. And every day he goes and he reads her their story, but she doesn't realize it's their story. And she, she can't even thank him. She doesn't even know who he is. Right? And the family tries to get him to leave. They're like, this is crazy. Like, she doesn't even know you anymore. Right, but he loves her so much, like he just sticks by her side and serves her. And this, by the way, is one of the reasons I believe that women just connect with stories like these. And they should. Because it's such a beautiful picture of what it means to lay down your life in serving that person who God has entrusted to your care. And by the way, that's the same picture. I mean, that is the gospel, guys. This is the, the Bible. This is what Jesus did for us. right? And we constantly forget who he is. We constantly forget... All the prayers that he's answered and all the ways that he showed himself faithful. It's like every day how quickly we forget and yet he's there. Relentlessly pursuing us. Right? This is our picture of how committed, by the way, Jesus is to you and to your marriage. He's already fought for your marriage. Right? The question is whether or not we're going to fight for our marriage. I'm going to end by reading the rest of this passage of scripture as it points us to Jesus. Verse 4 it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, I'm so thankful that Jesus did not insist on his rights. Because he had the right to be worshipped. He had the right to be honored. He had the right to leave you and I. Standing in judgment with our own shortcomings, but he didn't. He had the right to be honored and worship. But he had the responsibility to reconcile you and I back to God. He fought and fights for our affection. He doesn't demand it. And that is the picture of our marriages, right? We don't get to demand our rights in marriage. We don't get to demand that our spouse feels for us how we want them to feel. Rather, we are called, you know what, you need to fight for this. You need to fight for your own marriage. You need to fight for the affections of your husband and for your wife. And when you do that, when you take on the nature of a servant and you serve that person and you focus on your responsibilities and not on your rights, Jesus is going to blow your marriage up. And that is the only place that we can experience this marriage that God longs for us to have. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I pray for those in this room who perhaps have been married for some time. And this is hard to hear and hard to even believe because most of their journey has been experienced by time pain at other times disappointment and distance. But God, I just ask that you would just stir in the hearts of those who are here. And God, that you would remind them that you're not done in their lives and you're not done in their marriage. That there's more to be had and that you are, you're more committed to their marriage than they are. God, move them to fight for their marriage. And Lord God, I pray for those singles in this room who long to be married one day. And God, that this would be a season that would not be wasted, but rather this would be a season in which they run hard after you so that they can be the husband or the wife that you long for them to be, that their spouse will need for them to be. And Father God, as we as a community run hard after you, even with all our imperfections and even in all of our failings, even in all of our fighting at times in our relationships and our marriages, Lord God, we ask that you would do what you do best, that you'd pick up the pieces, that you'd continue to show us grace and teach us how to show grace to one another. Lord God, we love you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.